Welcome to episode 884 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 884 of I Am Talk with Coach John Eusem and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. Hope you're enjoying your time on the beach. Well, I'm, I'm, the, the, the honest truth, team, is I'm not even there yet. We're, yeah. It's a Thursday morning before we go. So today, what's the date? Is it the 14th today? today it's the 13th. 13th today. So we're recording this on the 13th, and we're going to be innovative today because... Um, oh, I am... great. So we gone <laughs> innovative here. It's really you, technical oh, stuff. <laughs> Watch out, Steve Jobs. Um, <laughs> so what we're going to do, actually, we'll tell it in a second. Just be excited, team, because we've got an amazing innovation coming. <laughs> Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Uh, our awesome patrons. We've got Jeff the Explosion Curry. I reckon that's one of my favourite yeah. nicknames of all time. Can't be Alan at Iron Palm, Kryptos Chan. And we've got Paul Madman Mitchell. So in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic. We've got a quiz. We've got Pro of the Week. It's a bit of an old school show. High five. Yeah. Random discussion. What's the yeah. random discussion on? Oh, I was just reading an article yesterday, and I thought it had a few good valid points that uh, that, that we could discuss. Okay, and wing of the week, questions and answers. Yeah, so here's the innovative piece, team, because I'm away, and normally what we do is we say we don't really know the news, but what we're going to do is John's going to record the news section in the future, and then we're going to come back to the past. So we're going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to disappear, and John's going to give you the news that's happened in the last couple of weeks right now. Okay, guys, as you heard, uh, Bevan is away in Bali, sunning himself, lucky for him. Whereas I'm uh, stuck in Christchurch and I've got man flu. I get sick very, very infrequently, so uh, this might end up being fairly short and sweet. But I did want to do some news for you guys because uh, I was obviously I was away and wrote for a period, and then uh, obviously Bevan's away, so I thought we need to keep up to date with what's going on. It's a pretty important time of the year, and uh, we had some racing happening at the weekend. So here we go. But a few things to to wrap up from previous shows over the last couple of weeks. Um, you recall we had Sean Conway on the show for an interview uh, as he was completing one of his iron distances. He was the guy who was up in Wales. He was doing, aiming to break the world record for the most consecutive iron distance training days or races back to back. The record stood, I think it was 101, and so his aim was to, to get to 102, which he did uh, at the tail end of last week. But just a, a little bit like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. He decided to keep on going. So uh, as far as I can tell, I think he's finished now at number 105. Uh, so he, he said on 100, day 103, from the outset, I always thought I might want to do more than 102. That's why I already had cap number 103 and his bib number 103 printed. But truthfully, it wasn't until the very last days that I decided and informed the writers I was going to do one more and thankfully a bunch of them came along to me. Uh, why did I do it today? Well for me I want to see how my body and mind would cope with having to do a full distance knowing that I didn't have to. Up until 102 I had to do them uh, to get the record but 103 it, I didn't. So how did I cope? 
Well, apart from the lack of sleep and a little too much bubbly, I felt okay. Legs hurt, pace was slow, but I did it. Uh, so he made it through that day 103. He ended up doing uh, 15 hours and 12 minutes, now 20 in the swim, 7.05 on the bike and 6.05 on the run. But then, uh, then he backed it up again with day 104. He asked his supporters, you know, wh whether he should carry on. 71% of them said that he should carry on, so he busted out another one. Uh, what was his total time? 14 hours and 38 minutes. And then, uh, and then he did number 105, which I think was on Sunday. Uh, and again, busted out a little bit quicker, 14 hours and 5 minutes, hour 27 in swim, 6.14 on the bike. That's a pretty decent uh, pace bike ride. And 5 hours and 45 on the run. Uh, and I think potentially why he did that um, at the weekend was, you know, he had a, a lot more supporters out there. It looks like he probably had a good 30 people out there um, on the bike and for parts of the run along with his kids. So it was probably quite nice to, to finish um, at a weekend when you've got a good group around you. Uh, so that that update was done 23 hours ago, so he may still be going, but that's as far as his uh, Facebook uh, stats go up to. So good on him. It's a pretty bloody epic challenge, and uh, yeah, we'll have to get him on at some stage in the near future to sort of talk through uh, how the sort of final 15 days went. And if you do want to support him, he's raising uh, raising money, so go check him out. His name's Sean Conway, and well done to him. Um, other bit of follow-up news from last week's show, uh, we had an interview with the guys from Omius, which was the, the cap that I used over in Rote, which had the, the sort of cooling system on the front of it that I thought worked really well. They've got a promo code if you guys want to get yourself one, uh, IMTalk2020. Uh, I am Talk 2023. Uh, so all one word. If you want to go get one of them, they'll give you a 20% discount, so well worth using it. So I am Talk 20. 23 uh, for an OMS cap. We did have some racing last weekend. It was the last chance for the boys to qualify for, for Nice for the Ironman World Championships. No Alistair Brownlee on the start line, so that means his opportunity to do Nice is not happening unless he gets a wild card. Um, and you'd think that if you were a pro athlete and he got a wild card when the rest of them have to qualify, you probably feel a little bit shafted, um, but it would be awesome to see him on the start line. Everybody else has had to go do a qualifying race. Sure, he's been injured, but that's part of the sport. So it'll be interesting to see, A, if he applies to one, and B, if he gets one, uh, to see him in Nice. But at the weekend, uh, Lake Placid was on. On the female side, an athlete I've never heard of before took the race out. Her name is Alice Alberts. Uh, she's currently ranked 127th in the world, which is probably why I haven't heard of her. Um, but she took it out. She did an hour swim, 5.03 on the bike and a 3.06 on the run to win by about five minutes uh, with a 9.16 in front of Erin Snellgrove and Jen Arnett which, with Angela Neath, uh, who did have the fastest bike ride of the day with a 5 hours and 3 seconds. She was down in fifth place. Um, so Alice Alberts, uh, in terms of her credentials and probably why she's ranked pretty lowly. She's only just started the sport. Uh, so she only started in 2021 and I can't see any information here in terms of any stellar performances in other sports. Uh, she's an American professional triathlete, took up triathlon 2021 in her first year of racing. She went on to win two overall age group Ironmans and placed third overall female at the Ironman World Championships in St George, Utah. She did that while working full-time as a primary care nurse practitioner. Uh, she turned pro in July 2022 
two and left her job to train and coach full time. In her first year of racing, she's gone on multiple top 10 finishes at iron distance racing. So still very new to the game uh, and good on her. So in terms of her credentials, uh, she raced Ironman Texas earlier this year, uh, finished in sixth place in a 905 last year she got fifth in arizona and she did lake placid last year as well uh where she blew out on the run um she did a 101 last year 515 on the bike and then a four hour uh, marathon to only finish in 11th place so good on her taking out her first Ironman win and uh, very early on in her career on the boys side uh, Joe Skipper looked like he pretty much had it all under control wasn't a, a massive victory but he looked like he had it under control swam 53-46 rode a 4.19 and then ran a 2.45-16 to hold off Ben Hoffman who was uh about two and a half minutes back um, in second, and then Matt Hansen had the fastest run of the day with a 2.41 um, to finish in third place. So I do know that Joe Skipper, uh, well, he was promoting it afterwards, he was going to go do a bare mile on Monday, so hopefully he went and did that. Defending champ Cody Beals was only down in 10th place, so not the greatest day for him. Uh, what else has been happening in the news? Um, yeah, the, the PTO races are coming up. We'll talk about them a bit more next week um, because we have the PTO race coming up in a couple of weeks' time in the States. Should be awesome. Uh, really good, strong field. And then uh, a few weeks later, we have the PTO race in Singapore. And again, uh, really good field. They're having a smaller field in Singapore, but looking forward to both those races, especially for us Kiwis. Uh, the time zones shouldn't be too bad in terms of actually watching them live. Uh, also later on this week we've got the Alpe d'Huez Triathlon coming up. Looking forward to being there next year. Um, it's a great race so I hope everybody who's going over there at Alpe d'Huez has a fantastic day. Uh, Elsewhere in short course news, um, the weekend before last we had uh, the World Triathlon Series was in Hamburg which is a real favourite for the athletes, they get massive crowds for those of you that don't watch the World Triathlon, um, pretty much lining the whole course, it looks awesome, Germans are fantastic supporters of triathlon um, and we had some great racing, they did a different format, they had three super sprint races, so a little bit like Super League, you basically do a qualifying race the day before um, to decide if you were going to get into the final 30 uh, and if you didn't qualify automatically then you had to do a repercharge and you get in so you had to do two races so you definitely wanted to go straight through uh, and then on the finals day there was three races started with 30 people after the first one you lost 10 athletes after the second one you lost another 10 and then on the third one it was just uh, 10 athletes going head to head and um, the difference between this and Super League was they had a reasonable gap between each race so they went male, female, male, female so the males, once they'd finished their first race, then the females went and did theirs. So they probably had roughly 30 minutes between uh, between races, which is good and bad. It means you've got some time to chill out and uh, do some spinning, recuperate a little bit. But then you've got to get, get the engine going again. And uh, fantastic result for Hayden Wilde. Finally managed to beat Alex Yee. Um, it's the first time he's done it, which is fantastic, in a, in a race where they've both finished. So good on him. And that could have quite a big bearing on the end of season rankings because Alex G ended up finishing in third place. Um, Vasco Velaza managed to just pip him in a sprint finish. And that might have a bearing at the end of the season because I imagine it's going to be pretty tight between Hayden Wilde and Alex G for the overall series. And just by dropping one place could potentially be the difference um, so far because Alex G's won a race, Hayden Wilde's run a race and he's got a second um, so that third place might come back to bite him in the bum uh, and on the female side Cassandra Bogran just dominated the dojo. K2 
Coming up this weekend is an interesting one. We've got, there's a new World Triathlon Series race in Sunderland. It used to be held in Leeds. Uh, it's a sprint distance and a mixed team relay. Um, what I've got to say is for, it's, a, it's a home race for the Brits, but there's hardly any Brits racing. And I imagine, and I think this is probably the case, they're probably away preparing for the Paris test event. So that's coming up in a few weeks' time as well. And they're probably trying to simulate what they're going to do in their preparation for that. So I imagine they're up at altitude and the, the hassle of going all the way back to do a race, even though it's a home race, A, it's going to interrupt their altitude training, and B, it's you know, you're just losing time from, from training in general. So they're, they're going to be wanting to simulate what they're going to do for Paris next year. So I imagine that's what's happening. I tried to look up a few of them on social media. It looked like Johnny Brownlee was definitely at altitude. Um, I couldn't really tell from, from the others, but I imagine that's what's happening. But it kind of sucks for your, for one of your home races. When I checked the other day, there was only one Brit male on the start list. Uh, that may change because uh, the start lists are constantly changing with these events. But when I'm looking at it right now, ah, I tell a lie. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm looking. I'm still looking at Hamburg. Uh, when I look at the start list, Vasco Velas is there. Hayden Wiles there. Leo Bagier is there. When I scroll down, looking for Great Britain athletes, you got Barclay Izzard there, and Max Stapley. Stapley. That's about it on the boys' side. Um, so really good opportunity for Hayden Wild to, if he can win, to sort of ex uh, get into the lead in the World Tri Series and. Um, put a bit of breathing space between him and Alex Yee and then equally on the female side uh, in terms of the Brits racing there I think it was one Olivia Matthias and that's it in terms of when I'm looking at it so really disappointing for the event that they haven't got any hometown heroes to sort of cheer on um, but yeah it's a sprint distance race it's going to be a mixed team relay as well um, so looking forward to that so that's pretty much uh, the news guys um, I'm about ready to go back to bed because this man flu is uh, wiped me out yeah it's not not good so um, so far COVID tests are saying negative so it's, if it's not COVID it's just the general man flu hope you guys have a good week and enjoy the rest of the show uh, i'll be back next week and uh we'll have a recap of any racing that's been happening short course stuff uh, going to do an interview as well uh, talking about a bit of cycling from the tour de france which is obviously just wrapped up and fantastic tour that it was so yeah enjoy your week and we'll see you next week oh uh, john john that was so innovative well i'm hoping there was some news otherwise that segment was a bit of a waste of time my prediction is Jan Predino is pulled out of the World Championships. That's my prediction. There, we there go. you go. Nice. <laughs> okay, so let's get straight into the hot topic of the week. So the hot topic of the week was what are the best non-Ironman or challenge? Have we done this one? Oh, no, sorry. That, no, okay, we're, we're doing would you enter a smaller iron distance That's race right. if it was priced cheaper and what is better or worse about the day? Okay. got quite a few comments and we only put it up uh, a couple so of days ago. this is two ago. days ago from us based on where we are in time. And the thing with all the comments, there's some really good ones in here. And you've got all the people saying how good um, non-branded races are. And, but there's not many people on there. There's only one, I think, uh, who stood up and said, I'm actually, it was rich, a rich walker. I'm probably outnumbered, but I prefer a big event and a good location that invariably costs more. So I think rich is like the majority because we know that the majority do go to the bigger iron distance races or the bigger branded races like Challenge Road as opposed to the little ones. But we've got a lot of comments on here from people that do the non-branded races. I was pretty lucky the other morning, John, because I was training my runners up and down 
Hackthorn Road at six in the morning and the hot chick came up and gave me a hug. So I was pretty oh, happy about that. Yeah, yeah, she was going for a run. She's got a couple of guys she goes running with. She yeah. she told me she st- she stuffed up because I saw her two running buddies beforehand. They were running past going, Do you know where Kylie is? And I'm going, oh, I don't know, it's <laughs> six in the morning. And she, <laughs> she ran up the wrong hill to meet them. So, but then she saw me, she gave me a hug. So I was very happy. So Kylie Cox, she's got as a local non Ironman branded or full Iron branded distance race. That's what she asked me. So, yes, it's a challenge without the attention. In fact, I've had interesting on many of it of, of what the in fact, she's I, interested on many an event oh, okay. and uh, because she sees an event on facebook or anywhere it doesn't matter what sort of thing she goes interested okay and obviously often interested doesn't turn into participate though still she, hey she's selling interest john okay john yeah. who you got uh i'll go shane chubb yep i'd do one if there was an affordable halves or three quarters locally so he's sort of talking more the halves rather than the fulls Okay, well, Rob Dallimore said something. Cameron Brown came back. So Rob Dallimore said, I'm keen to do smaller races that are between a 70.3 and iron distance race. I rate the long distance world championship distance of a 3K swim, 130K bike, and then a 30K run. And I wish there was more of this thing. Lucy Francis, Lucy Francis agreed, but then Cameron Brown said, yep, uh, more odd distances, things like 260, 16, off-road trail runs, must be at an age where I want to do different stuff. He's done a few Ironmans, that, that boy. He has done a few Ironmans. But the, 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 I like the nice distance where it's 4K, 120, and then 30. So gives the swimmers a little bit of a chance. Um, Leslie Wilson says Iron Māori is a very successful for that reason. Uh, non-corporate, locally run, led by uh, family whānau led. Uh, so, yeah, we've talked about Iron Māori, and they they did their first Iron Distance. And, uh, yeah, people people really enjoyed it. Didn't have massive numbers in the, the full. Um, but, yeah, people, Kiwis enjoyed it. Interesting, James Red Rocket Thompson's got, yes, I did the challenge races in Penticton when the numbers dropped from 3,000 to just a few hundred. Really felt the difference. Same, no one else wanted to do a non-iron branded race. That really shows the power of the brand, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because Penticton uh, had the history of the race. You know, it was one of the iconic courses, wasn't it? it yeah, that's the thing. It had history. It had a course. had a really supportive community. Had was it, was it one of the... It. It was one of the only one lap yeah. races out there still, wasn't it? Yeah, and and the numbers plummeted, and then as soon as it comes back to being Ironman, which it is now, numbers go back up again. Yeah, wow, crazy. Uh, righty ho, uh, Philippe Philippe Van der Lure. Uh, Ironman is definitely overpriced, relatively speaking, and that's worldwide. I've been advocating for people to do smaller and other branded races forever. Biggest hurdle is that most people still want to be an Iron Man and they feel that they are not doing uh not doing it if they do a non-Iron Man branded race. I think we we did this discussion years ago and we we say that if you do a non-Iron Man race and you do an iron distance, you can say you're an Iron Man. Yeah. I think I think it's yeah, that's yeah. the iron talk rule. Okay, Phil Scott's got yep, five out of my ten to date were non-Iron Man or challenge events. He did the four times at the not outlaw in Nottingham and one Coxworld 226. Both were 300 pound or 350 entry, but the Coxworld event is now is only a half. Um, I think quite a few of the people making comments here are from Great Britain, where they do have some really, really good choices. Another one here, uh, Johnny Fallis has mentioned the Outlaw Triathlon, great locations and are 25% cheaper. Um, so yeah, you guys in Great Britain really are spoiled. Where you've got 
I think those medium-sized events where they are going to be cheaper are going to be well run. Um, and I think you've got you've got plenty of choice. You're very fortunate. Well, Nick Rose has got here, and he's from the UK. He's got two middle distance race instances have uh have not been non-branded. So the Coxwold and the uh Diva Middle, uh, both were less monies than more than 70.3 races. Personal experience, less drafting is a sm- f- smaller field, same support. Still additional gifts, bags, and the goodie bag. Um, I've done over 20, I've done Ironman for 20 years and will continue, but it's definitely pricing itself out of certain markets. And this shows the cancellation of two high profile races in the UK. Uh, George Samuel says, I've not done an Ironman branded event for a few years because of the price and the experience. Prefer smaller races that treat you better. I do want to qualify for Kona one day, and that's the only draw at the moment. David Manley's got, I do like closed roads, not all the wedded to the iron brand, um, but closed roads make a big difference for me, especially as I don't do more than one or two a year. Annoyingly, missing this uh, Swansea 70.3 this weekend with illness. A tough bike course with great scenery, but not one to do at speed with vehicles on it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, as so did Outlaw puts on some great races, but every year their bike course get more and more broken up. One thing I will say about that Swansea race, and, and we're recording this show before it's happened, but you'll be listening to it after it's happened. Well, you, they uh, would have heard it in I, the news, John. Yeah, yeah they would have. <laughs> uh, I've got an athlete racing there, and the weather looks atrocious. So it looks oh, like you, really? might not, you might not be missing too much there. Last one I'll do. You haven't done Richard Gin, have you? No. No, most uh, mostly done unbranded events in the UK. Longest day three times in the early two thousands. The Big Woody, Midnight Man, Steel Man, Enduro Man, Single, Double, Triple, and Decker Iron Distance. Uh, also Almera, which is in Holland twice before it was a challenge event. All great events from zero frills to big day. All much cheaper than the two branded events I've done. Support small races. They are the real spirit of the sport. Okay, um, Christopher Dora's got, I've done multiple non-iron distance races, or not Ironman distance races. Uh, usually, but not always, they have smaller public-supported crowds. Organisation-wise, they have nothing to envy of an Ironman brand race. I never raced a brand until I had the chance to go to Kona, and if the day comes, I can't continue to do that. I will not race the brand anymore. Cost experience is just not worth it compared to other non-branded offerings. So... There you go. So I think most of the people on here are the ones that are the, 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 the vocal minority. You know, they are. Well, the actually, John, can I? Sorry, it's just Arnold's got. I have fixed my racing limits to basically 500 euro. So he's kind of yeah. saying, if it's over 500, I'm not doing it. Um, and he's basically saying he raced uh, Ultraman in the French Pyrenees. It was 270 euro. Fantastic organization. No shitty tattoos, stickers, and bags. No membership to the French Federation. No marshals. Not needed when the bike course was 4,700 metres of climbing. Fantastic ambience, great aid stations, past the party, post-race jack- um, finishes jacket, uh, and even $35 euro, euro to spend at the sports shop. So he said it was a really good value for money. Oh. Yeah, Sorry, as you were saying. saying, I think most of the people that are commenting here are the the, the vocal minority because they're the ones that uh, love that really love the sport and I'm not saying people do Ironman don't love the sport but they love the the feel of the small events and so on and and supporting those smaller events whereas we know and the numbers tell us that pretty much everybody else will want to go and do you know the big branded races and, and get a real buzz from them so 
yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I've done a bit of, bit of everything, you know, I've done Rote, which is obviously a big race, you know, the pricing, pricing wise, it's, I think it's pretty similar to iron distance races. So it's not like it's any cheaper. Um, but then at the other end of the scale done uh, challenge Wanaka, which yes, it's a branded race, but the year we did it, there was probably, I don't know, maybe 150 or so in, in the full distance race um, and thoroughly enjoyed that. So I guess for me, the determining factors would be whether I was going to go and do a smaller iron distance race um, would definitely price as, as a biggie. You know, so it'd have to be priced accordingly. Um, secondly, it would need to be at a, at a cool location. If it was just a case of going and doing, you know, laps around a pretty nonchalant sort of 45k circuit, probably less interest. Um and then uh, my phone just rang, which put, put me off. Those would be the two two key factors. The other thing that you do need to consider is, and it doesn't bother me, is that loneliness on the course. You know, the contrast that to rote, where you know the challenges, um, or in, in most Ironman races, is not drafting, and that's a constant struggle as you're going through. Um, I remember in Challenge Wanaka, uh, I was basically by myself the whole day, and that doesn't bother me. But I know that for some people, that will take away the experience. Um, and the other thing that probably would help swing me to do a smaller race is if they had a half on the same day, just to give a, a few more people around and just a little more buzz buzz to the event. If it was just a standalone um, full with only 100 people, um, yeah, it'd be nice to be boosted up with a few couple of hundred people doing a, doing a half. I've got to be honest, John, maybe I'm a bit of a snob here, or not a snob, but if I was looking for an A race, it would have to be something very special for me to want to go outside of a challenge or an Ironman. Um, you know, like it'd have to be a Norseman. It'd have to be something that was either very epic. There'd have to be some kind of some kind of hook to it that would really draw me in. If it was just some kind of small organization who's just putting on some race in a local area, it's but not that I wouldn't price. What's your price point though? You know, you've been out of the game for a long time. You know, you've got, got to pay, you know, maybe 1200 bucks, 1300 bucks or something to enter an iron distance race. And if there was another one that was, you know, 400 yeah, bucks. Yeah. And, um, and so it's not so I wouldn't do those races. You know, you might use them as a B, B or a C in the year. Um, but I, I think if I, like if, if I was to be drawn back to the sport, I would definitely want to be, do the big, the big event. You know, I, I, I like the, A, I like the competitiveness of it. Because you, you can compete when you do those smaller races, and it's, but it's more you're competing against yourself. And there might be one person up the road. And I, like I know for you, one thing that's really appealing to you is that kind of measuring yourself against a stellar field. Um, and so when you go to those smaller races, you, you might get one or two rivals. But if it's me riding by myself and passing five people on the bike, I, I just don't want that to be my A experience. So it either have to be a race. Now, like when we look at the outlaw, they seem to get massive fields. So it's not that it wouldn't be possible, but you have to search a little bit harder for it. Um, if you're signing up for a pro, for an Ironman, and I have thought about this because I've been out of the sport for so long, like you pro, it's probably a, a, at minimal a $10,000 investment, would you say? If you're starting uh, from just scratch? Depend, just depends on where you're traveling, if you're traveling or not. Yeah, if, you, if you've got all the equipment, it's not obviously that much, but yeah, entry fees are... Are a big deal now. Um, yeah, no, but not even like if I started from now and said I wanted to try to do an Ironman again, well, I need a new bike, I need hmm. a wetsuit, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah. you'd you be a massive investment. So I think, you know, when you think of the overall investment, if you're spending 10000 on everything else, drop another 1500 you know, it depends where you are financially. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that if I, if I, if I were to come back, it would be a Norseman 
or a challenge or an Ironman race, I could be honest. And if for a race, it wouldn't necessarily mean that I wouldn't want to do other races. But if I was going to go, this year's mine where I want to peak, I probably would spend the big money. Yep. No. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot. This is a good discussion for next week coming up. So this week's discussion coming up is, what is the biggest danger facing our sport in the next 10 years? And when we think about danger, it can be anything. It can be to the overall sport. It can be health and safety. What do you see as the dangers coming forward as we move? And I've even got some good ideas for that already, but we'll talk about the next week's show. Okay, John, you've got a quiz question. I have, and I think it's a goodie this week. Um, so what performance in the last 12 months has been the highest point scoring achievement on the, the world triathlon, uh, not world triathlon, on the PTO rankings? So if you guys know, we talk about the rankings and it's sort of a scale that goes up to about 100 and it's measured on you know several variables that we'll discuss later on. So it's not necessarily, you know, it needs to be at a top tier race, one of the bigger performances. And the, the reason this came up for me, I was thinking, you know, Daniela Reef and Magnus Ditlev just absolutely caned it and wrote. And um, with a good field. With, with a good field, not a not a world yep. championship field, but a good field. And so I was wondering, how does that sort of compare to, you know, what Gustav Eden did in Kona in terms of the point scoring capacity? Uh, and likewise, you know, um, Ashley Gentle, you know, she's on top of the rankings in the females, but she's got all hers from half distance races. So I was kind of wondering how those rope performances um, compared to some of the other ones. So what do you guys think is the best performance in the last 12 months that scored the highest highest point scoring um performance well i think we should talk of criteria here so criteria is the the quality of race and quality of field really determine isn't it or is there any other criteria that uh, go with it well, it's the main thing is it's the tier of the race and that is determined by prize money so yep. you have to be at a race that's got big prize money and then it's the strength of field and then it's your basically your your finish performance relative to others so if you win kona and you're 20 minutes ahead you're probably going to get the most points of the year hmm or one of the big PTO races, basically. So it's yeah. probably going to come out of those races. Okay, good question. Um, let's go into Pro of the Week. Of the week. Okay, we've got a couple of pros we're going to look at here. So we, we, you've gone for number 25. Is there a reason why? Um, I don't know. For some bizarre reason, I was thinking we're in 2025, but we're in 2023. So I probably should have gone for number 23. But anyway, I went for number 25 on both the males and the females. We'll go over these fairly quickly because I have a feeling we might have done uh, our female once before. We yeah, certainly haven't we have. done that the male. So uh, Lottie Wilms is she's actually 39 years old. And so she's an ex-swimmer. And I actually found a LinkedIn um, profile for her. So really? Lottie Wilms is a former international swimmer who retired from her 20-year-long swimming career in 2012, um, and that included going to the Olympic trials for the London Olympics. She's originally from the Netherlands, but currently lives in Sydney um, since 2014. Uh, so in 2017, she decided to enter her first triathlon after being absent from pro sport for five years with no triathlon experience so she started back in 2017 uh, she managed to get pretty fit and uh and she got some victories and then started doing a bit of sort of itu distance um stuff or world triathlon distance uh and she got 
up to being ranked number three in the Netherlands, 127th in the world. But she sort of set her goals on trying to make it to, to Tokyo in 2020, which we now know was in 2021. Um, she didn't actually make it to Tokyo, but she was the first reserve for for the Dutch team. Uh, so she's done quite a bit of sort of world triathlon racing, um, nothing to sort of set the world on fire, done lots of World Cup events rather than the World Triathlon Series. Um, quite a few sort of top 10s, but uh, no, there's only one podium, um, which was in the, well, that was in the Netherlands Sprint Distance National Championships back in 2018. But since then, she's um, she's been sort of turned her focus to racing um, sort of 70.3s uh, and Ironmans, and she won Ironman Austria um, a few weeks ago back in June, did a 9.56, which is pretty pretty awesome, and uh, that's coming off the back of uh, Ironman Western Australia last year, where she also went sub nine hours, so two Ironmans, two sub nine hour performances, she also won Challenge St. Poulton, uh, she was ninth at the European PTO race um, and she's had lots of uh, victories over in Australia and finished 12th at the 70.3 World Champs. So yeah, Lottie Wilms from Race for the Netherlands lives based out of Australia, currently ranked 25th in the world. Creepers, creepers. Then we've got the 25th male in the world. Now, this isn't someone I've never heard of, John. You, you and me both, but he's had a pretty good season. I, I do remember talking about him earlier this year. So his name's uh, Matty Marier uh, from France. Uh, yeah, currently ranked 25th as well. The reason I remember his name is because he got second in Challenge Grand Canaria earlier this year behind Sam Laidlow. And it was a pretty close race. Um, and I remember Sam Laidlow, I think he was his uh, training partner. So they basically swam the same time bike the same time if you're keeping up with sam laylow on the bike yeah you're, you're going pretty you're doing right yeah um and somehow he ran faster than sam laylow but finished uh 20 transition behind him. so transitions so it could be the game changer but you know he beat some bloody good athletes that day beat aaron royal patrick langer um along with a bunch of others so that's a pretty good performance and then he carried on with that um by winning the Challenge Championship at Samorin, uh, and also then backed that up a couple of weeks later, winning Challenge Solo. So, so far this season, second at Lanzarote, another second at Grand Canaria, Grand Canaria and then two two wins. Last year, he had a couple of seconds, um, and prior to that, his other only other result was in 2017. So, um, yeah, a man to, to keep an eye on, and he's had a pretty, uh, pretty stellar start to the season. So his name is Matthias Matthias uh, Marcrier. Probably pronounced that surname completely wrong, but uh, and he races for the Mets Triathlon team over in France. Yeah, um, he's got a pretty good Instagram page. While you're talking away, there was checking out his Instagram. He's um got lots of good photos, so you can follow him on Instagram as well. Okay, so those are the twenty fifth ranked athletes. So let's okay. While we're here, how much do you reckon a twenty fifth athlete would be making a year? Oh, I've got no idea. In terms of in terms of prize money, it's probably pretty easy to work out. We need to look at Torsten's uh, try ratings. Um, what do you think, Bevan? I'll, I'll well, see, he won. Uh, he won. He's won two challenger races. He got second Grand Cronera, second in Lanzarote seventy point three. Now he hasn't been racing, doesn't or, or at least long course for a very long time. So you know, you probably prize money's probably pulled off about fifty to sixty k, maybe. Um, you know, what would you win for a challenge race now? Did you get ten grand? Oh no! If if you're lucky, yeah. Uh, 
I don't, I don't reckon the, the uh, 25th in the world will be hitting six figures um, in terms of prize money. Um, so yeah, I reckon it'd be, be, definitely be less than six figures because I remember looking at those prize money rankings that Torsten has done in the past. Uh, it's staggering the, the how quickly it drops off um, the, the prize money. So if he's with a tri-club and he's got some good sponsors, and you know, that's a totally different story. And, he, and if he's ranked 25th, he'll be, he'll be surviving okay. But I don't think it'll be. Uh, I don't think it'll be massive. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a guess. It'll be uh, sixty-two thousand dollars prize money. Okay, at but the then the, at, the, at the end of the year, if you rank twenty-fifth. So, so remember, who's the athlete who does? Is it Cody Bills who does all the how much I make as a pro? Who was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Cody Bills. Yeah, and so he pretty much was able to double his income, wasn't he? But he was yeah. very professional on how he ran his his mm-hmm. athletic profession, if you know what I mean. Um, so you know, like a guy like this, hopefully makes hundred grand a year. Yeah, I think Cody Beals was was at least double. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think most people are not as uh, savvy as he is. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, you're hoping a guy who's twenty fifth in the year is at least making hundred grand, wouldn't you? You'd hope so. Yeah. What's the pedo bonus for that amount? Do you have any recollection of that? No, no idea. But it's not a bad I'm gonna amount. I'm going to say, I'm going to say maybe 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like if you pull on 50 grand, you know, so maybe you might 62. Yeah. Okay. Interesting stuff. Okay. John, let's go into one, two, three, four, five, five. Oh, we're going back to an old school one. Well, and, and I know we've done this before, but we're going to do it again because um, we were over in Rote and the, t- the topic is peeing on the bike. Yep. And we're in Rote, got a, a, one of our speedy athletes on the camp. And he was saying he was going to pull over for a pee stop on the bike. I was oh, like, back what? it up. Back it up. That's not happening. No way, Jose. <laughs> I said, mate, you're going to pee on the bike. Oh, really? I was peeing on the bike. Yeah, it's happening. So I thought we'll quickly go over just a few randoms on peeing on the bike because it seems that the message is not getting through. But, and it <laughs> needs to because you waste a lot of time out there um, if you're not peeing on the bike. So uh, first thing is you've got to get over Get it over, get over it because it's going to come out in the wash. It's just a bit of wheeze, you yeah. know. If people are worried about getting dirty and so on, it's going to wash off. It's okay. But get your hygiene. Yeah, exactly. Number two, if you're not peeing on the bike in an iron distance race, chances are you're not drinking enough. So it's a really good indicator of I maybe not putting enough hydration into my body, which is going to cause massive problems as you head out in the run. And, and this is exactly one of the things that was going through my head and wrote is I got off the bike and I hadn't peed and I was like, Oh, had you not? Yeah. I had not peed and I was like, Oh dear, that's I probably have not drunk enough there. So yeah. uh, you definitely should be peeing on, not peeing on the bike. Um, number three, uh, sometime when you're out training, do a little test. And when you, when you, when you're riding with some others, if you pull over and go to the, go for a wee and you see the group ride off into the distance, you'll realize how much time, how much distance you lose. And if if you've got a chase to get back on, which I know you probably won't do in a, a nine distance race, but when you actually get that visual when you're out on the road, it is massive how much time you lose when you uh, when you're standing there and while the group's sort of riding away. So do a little test one day when you're out training and just uh, pull over, either go for a wee or pretend you're going for a wee and just see how much you lose. It's, it's another really good example is that if your shoelaces come undone when you're running with a group, you know, yeah, like it's not as, you know, really it's only a 20 second stop. Peeing on the bike's probably, off the bike's probably going to take you a bit more time. But the effort to get back to the group, you know, you can like just see, I remember I was doing the the root burn race a few years ago and 
um, there was a guy who was just up ahead of me and I was just slowly catching him. And this was getting close to the end because the root burn, you basically run up to the top of the root burn hill mountain and then you kind of run down and then it's kind of like 7K flat out. And I was catching this guy and I was feeling really good. And, he was, and I, was, I, I got to about 10 metres behind him. And then my shoelace came undone and he, he just got enough where I couldn't see him anymore. And it was not just, I just, I, I couldn't get him to the end. And it was partly because I had to stop and gave him a gap. It was also partly because I lost the motivation of seeing him that I just didn't have that same push. And, you know, that little bit of time actually co- probably cost me a place. I think it was seventh. So maybe I would have got sixth if I just, that stupid error of not um, doing my shoelaces was, you know, cost me ultimately a place in the race. Okay, wait for a downhill, relax. I, I often had to stand up as well. Yep. let it flow yep. so yep. so you basically what you're doing is we're talking about technique here team it's technique so okay. basically wait to a downhill relax i often have to would have to stand up and breaking the seal is the hardest bit breaking once, the seal. once the seal's broken it's like you know <laughs> once it's broken it flushes out yeah but it's, and it's because it's just i think it's that thing of it's it's it's, it feels wrong to do it. So it, it, even if you're busting to go, the initial breaking of the seal can be a, bit, a little bit tough. So you got to do a little bit of a push, you know, stand up, squeeze your glutes, do a bit of a push, and once it's flowing, let it go. We need to get a female on to have this discussion as well. That's a good question, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe the colonel. Uh, the colonel can come on and discuss peeing. Give us a hug and then pee on us. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Number five, remember to have a bottle of water on hand so you can give yourself a little bit of a wash down um, because point number one was uh, it will come out in the wash. It's just urine. But at the same time, if you've got some water on, just give give your legs a a little bit of a wash. Uh, Point number six was remember to wash your shoes post-race because you have basically peed all over yourself and your shoes or need a bit of a wash. Actually, John, when we did this, so when we first brought out this show, we did this topic and it really made the show much bigger than what it was because we 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 made it a, a discussion to, to this world. And one of the tips we gave was use it as a way to get rid of drafting bastards. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. It was so you could time it. If you've got someone who's on your own, who's not within the zone, you know, if they're, yeah. if they're 12 meters away or 10 meters away, they're not going to feel your pee. But if they're within the zone, let yeah. it flow. Let it flow. <laughs> so those, there you go. Any, any other quick tips? Uh no, those are the main ones. Yeah, just uh, relax. It is difficult when you're on a flat course. I totally get that, but I still think if you if you you know even if you're freewheeling and you're just slowing down, that's still going to save you a lot of time compared to actually stopping. I do have a question for you. Mm. Is it something you should practice? Uh, I've never practiced it. <laughs> uh, no, I've never practiced it. That would be whilst point number one was just get over it, it will come out in the wash. It is still pretty icky, and uh, no, I haven't practiced it. Mm, that's a good question, yeah. Like, well, maybe if, if you've tried in races and you haven't been able to do it because it is an odd thing to do, mm. I definitely want to try to do it in half Ironman. It's like, I don't you don't need to be peeing in a half Ironman, um, but that would be your, your optimal time to sort of try to practice it, you know, towards the tail end of a half Ironman. Okay, so let's look at the. You've got random discussion, random discussion of the week. Okay, so yeah. so tell me about what you want to talk about. Uh, so I was just reading an article the other day um, on Sports Performance Bulletin. Really good uh, little e magazine. If you want to be sort of uh, doing of some it. reading, it, it's it's um, they basically go and read a whole bunch of uh, 
you know, uh, papers and just sort of summarize them in a nice, easy, concise format. Um, so I subscribe to that. So it's good. Um, and there was an article in there just around the placebo. And I just, and we, we do harp on about this quite a bit. The, the power of your brain is something that we don't really train enough. We do, you know, we do a crap load of training out there. And a lot of the time, yes, you are parent, you know, you are working on your mental skills in terms of getting through tough sessions and so on. Um, but it comes down to a lot of this, you know, preparation when you're going into an event is having some plans in place, um, not just your pace, your power, your, your heart rate, but also thinking how you're going to mentally approach things because the power of the brain is just astronomical. So there was just a few little things I thought that came out of this article that I thought might be worth going over. Um, first one's going to be, whatever you're doing, you know, if you're taking a supplement or a particular type of nutrition or anything like that, having that real belief in what you're doing is going to work is even if it's, even if it, the science maybe says, oh, it's a bit marginal. If you believe it, you know, the power of that placebo is, uh, is going to be going to be huge. So one of the, um, one of the things that came out of it was, what was I reading about? Um, so there was a study where some athletes were taking um, a tablet to, to try to enhance their performance. And they, one of the quotes that came out of it was, during the exercise, roughly at about halfway, I remembered the tablets I'd taken. I saw the color, the shape in my head, and I imagined what they were making. They were making me more powerful. Oh, so wow. regardless if this tablet was doing anything or not, just that thought process and the testing enabled them to actually go you know, further and harder. And what's interesting is this is I don't know if you ever listened to the Huberman podcast, but he was talking about um, people who manage weight well, and he was saying it really when they look at their diet, there's so much variety around what works. But one of the keys to it is if you just believe your diet works, you know, yeah. like if you fundamentally, as long as you're not extreme, but if you kind of live in a place where like I, I live like this, like I. I eat healthy 90% of the time. I have 10% where I maybe go a little bit outside the box. Um, I don't really think about food much, but I, I just believe what I'm doing works. And and he just said there's actually real power to that. Um, and it's kind of, I know that it's kind of placebo, but it's also that kind of getting your head to work for you and the behaviors you're making really, isn't it? Yeah. So you want to do your research into what you're going to take, but having that belief, if you're going, I'm going to try this product, believe it's going to work. And that will, can potentially make as big, if not more of a difference than whether it actually does physiologically help you at all. So that was the first point that sort of came out of it. The second point for me was sort of that glass half um, full or half empty. So trying to fill, fill your brain as you're going through an event or, or a particular training session that things are going to be you know, having that sort of optimism and trying to make things a little bit easier for yourself. So an example might be that if you were 10K into an Ironman, the reality is you've still got 32 Ks to go. It's a bloody long way. Yeah. But trying to sort of spin that around saying, you know, if, if you're 10 Ks in, it's only 11 Ks till halfway. Uh, and then I'm in sort of the, the you know, the downhill to, towards the finish. Um, so a ex couple of examples that came out of this article were runners who were told that they would be completing a 10 kilometer run, uh, experienced a sudden jump in perceived effort halfway through the run if they were then told the distance is actually not 10 kilometers, but it's 20 kilometers. So wow. you're running along at a certain speed and then they say you're actually going for 20 Ks, and then they, all of a sudden they'll maintain that speed, but it will feel, feel harder to them, even though they're not going going any quicker. Wow. Um, another one which I thought was absolutely brilliant, where um, they, 
some studies where they were fooling the brain. Cyclists were deceived by researchers. Uh, so they were, uh, the cyclists, without access to any indication of their speed, thought their speed set by the researchers was equivalent to their best time trial effort. However, the researchers actually sent, set the speed 2% faster. With 14 cyclists in the study, 10 significantly improved their performance over their theoretical best times. So what they're saying is, you know, you might be doing a test in the lab and they're saying, you're going 200 watts and you're going, that's my best ever. Come on, keep this 200 watts up. But you're actually going, you know, 2% higher than that. They're just not telling you about it. And and you think you're, you're at your limit when you're actually over what you think your limit is. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a couple of really interesting points. I have a good example of that, actually. I remember, um, I probably told this story before, but I was doing the Christchurch Marathon and I was hoping to go sub 240. Um, and I was pretty much there until about about 6K to go. And we just had a really windy day. And I remember turning around in New Brighton and heading home and we just had a gale, you know, like, and instantly I lost 30 seconds of K. And so for like the next three or four K, it must've been about 8K to go. And I was feeling good. Like it wasn't like I was blowing up. It was just the wind got me. And then I lost about 30 seconds K for about 6K. So I, the, the goal was no longer going to be achieved. And I remember I was going down the back end of Hagley Park, kind of as you head back into town. And I looked at my watch and if you'd asked me, could I go any faster in that moment? The answer was no, because even though the the wind was slowing me down, my effort was still what I consider. You know, I was, I was still fighting at least. And then I looked at my watch, and I did a wrong calculation. And I looked at my watch, and I thought, "Shit, I can still do this." You know, I, I, like I, I, instead of going, "Oh, shit, you haven't got this," I was like, "Oh no, I've, I've still got this." And mm. suddenly, I was able to run faster. And then, about a minute later, and I was and I was comfortable running faster. I looked at my watch. I was like, "Oh no, you can't!" And then suddenly, it felt hard again. You know, and yeah. it was just—it was really fascinating. It was just that miscalculation actually made me go faster. So yeah, it was quite interesting. So I think one of the messages there as well is um, a lot of us are very data driven these days, and I'm I'm in the same category. And sometimes that can can limit what you potentially might be able to do. So. Data and tools are really, really powerful, but from time to time, what you want to be going out there and doing is putting, putting, turning them off, and if you're out on a group ride or something, or going and doing a time trial, and just see um, see what's possible. It might be you go slower, but um, often there is there is more in the tank that you might might uh, might think there is. And then the the final one, which is kind of repeating what I said as the first point, was real belief in what you're doing. So first point was kind of more around, um, you know fooling your brain into into making things feel like they might be a little bit easier, but then belief in the program that you're following. So whether you're following an, a particular online program, whether you've got a coach or whatever, I'm not saying you blindly follow things and it's fine to question what, why you might be doing things, but you've got to have that real ingrained belief on, on what you're doing is the right thing. And that's going to, you know, enhance the opportunities that you you may well succeed and, and hit those big numbers. So um, the final one I've got down here, which was just at the end of the article, was when using sports supplements to try to enhance your performance, um, those that involve taste, smell, and texture, e.g. drinks or certain foods, are likely to deliver a bigger placebo effect than the same active ingredients delivered in a tablet or a capsule. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, you know, it's, it's often those sensations that you get in your mouth, there's some sort of trigger with your brain that's that's going to sort of take you up a notch as opposed to just uh, taking some innate pill where it's just sort of going straight in. There's still that belief, like if you believe that pill's really going to help, then, then, it, then it should do, hopefully. Um, but if there is some other sensation in there, it seems that that's going to give you a better chance of success. Um, uh, and the, thing, the only thing I'll add to that is 
ultimately, are you practicing this stuff? Because I think, you know, when we think of time in sport, if we look at if we look at Ironman time in sport, we spend so much time training and then we neglect the other bits that can have a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like shifting mindset, you know, or, or these types of techniques. It's that thing where everyone goes, oh, that's a good idea, but they never actually put the time aside to put that into their week. Um, and I, and I, you wouldn't have listened to the show I did by myself, John, but I actually did quite a big segment on this kind of thing. And because... Um, you don't want to get to the day and go, okay, what do I do now? It, these are skills that you should be practicing and not just, you know, like before you go out on a bike ride today, I'm going to practice different mindset strategies when I'm going out on my bike ride. So you actually have a mind objective for your session as well. Cause I guarantee if, if like, if you're listening to this right now, I guarantee if you committed 10 minutes before every session to identify some mind strategy that you're working on today, identify the strategy you're going to use and maybe do some visualization and self-talk beforehand, but a you'll have a better session but b come race day you'll be really ma- you'll be a master of that skill and i just think it's a bit like stretching isn't it stretching is that thing that every triathlete thinks they should do but they don't have time to do but probably the investment of that time is probably better than just doing some more swim bike running mm. and you know so as you listen to things like this probably the better question if you're not doing the work or not committing time is if you were to commit an extra 30 hours of minutes a week where it might be chunked up before each session, how much more effective would you be at applying this stuff when you need it most, both in training and racing, so you can actually, you know, get this, get the growth you need from it. Exactly. Because you know, it's, it's that thing of who's gone to a conference and gone, that's a good idea, and gone back home and done exactly what they always did. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and mm-hmm. to me, it's applications what really creates the result. So just stuff to think about. Anyway, John, let's go on to Wanger of the week. Of the week. Let's do twenty five. We are. You read my mind, Bevan. Uh, number twenty-five. Now this is from the week we actually recorded the show, so it's a couple of weeks stale, but that's okay because Lucas Bosman's uh, he was number twenty-fifth um, on when we were recording this, and he did seventeen hours and three minutes of training from twelve activities, three hours forty-six of swimming, twelve hours and seven minutes on the bike, and one hour and nine minutes on the running. So not not a heap of running, but pretty good on the the swim bike front. And Lucas from is from Belgium, from Tremilo, from Flemish Brabant. Uh, and I always just like looking at people's biggest rides and climbs because I know you look at their predicted run times and stuff, and it's just a load of shit because it says I'm running a 212, um, 1K and a, and a 345 mile and a 12.42 for 5K, which is uh, not even remotely close. My half marathon, one eighteen, and my full three eighteen. Well, um, Lucas is pretty good run about because this is actually all time PR run times. So this isn't predicted. Mm-hmm. Is a two twenty eight marathon. Oh, solid. Nice. Yeah, so he's 30, he's an athlete. 32, 30, why doesn't he have mine down there? But he's thirty two twenty three for ten k. That is solid, and a sub fifteen for five k. Jesus. Yeah. So solid. he's a runner. Yeah. Uh, his biggest bike ride, 245 kilometers, with biggest climb of 1,119 minutes. I went up to, oh, there we go. Went up to Chalet Reynard, which is uh, on Mont Ventoux. Uh, so I don't know why he didn't go all the way up, because when you go up uh, Mont Ventoux, so a bit of Tour de France stuff for you, um, the climb halfway up is Chalet Reynard, and then once you get above that, then it really turns into uh, that that desolate moon-like uh, environment. So for some reason, he only went to Chalet Reynard, although he did do a loop. It was a pretty decent ride, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. 
I'm thinking every year around April, he does something crazy because right. around April, if you look at it, there's like the third week in April, he had a massive week, you know, absolutely huge week. And the same thing happened the year before. And yeah. the same thing happened the year before that as well. So April was a big month for him. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. good. Yeah, so Lucas Bosmans, you are a winger, winger of the week. the week. Okay. Let's go into the quiz question answer. So the quiz question was, Based on PTO ranking points per race, who's had the best performance in both male and female over the last year? And, and again, what we're looking at is we're looking at points based on tier of race, so that's prize money. So it's obviously going to be a PTO race, world championship uh, races. Basically, it's basically going to be world championship or PTO. Yep. And but wrote it wrote it was up there as well because the performances were so strong. Strength of field and finish time relative to others. The one thing that I did note in here, so the eligible events, eligible events are any non-drafting triathlon with a professional field that is longer than Olympic distance with a minimum prize purse of $10,000. So that's what your, your event needs to be. So it can be PTO, it can be Ironman, 70.3, Challenge, Clash, whatever. As long as you've got more than 10000 prize money, um, then you're in the mix. Uh, in addition, uh, gender equal prize purse is mandatory and also uh, the norm across the majority of professional triathlon races. And I, the one that, exception that I was thinking of that is uh, Ombre Man, which is in France, a race I've really love to go and do talked about it lots on the show um but they don't have equal prize money they have a big prize purse but it's not equal so if you win ombre man tough titties count. not well, getting any pto points fair enough you know yeah you, mm. you gotta make these things even mm. okay john so let's think of the last 12 months so we've got i man kona 70.3 world champs and then the pto races really haven't we so and there's rope count but rope the yep. field's probably not a stellar the field's pretty good but it's not um, it's not it, championship but, level. But the performances were off the charts. You know, Daniela Reef what beat Ann Haug. Yeah, true. I think there's probably second or third in the word by was it sort of 15 minutes or so? Um, and Magnus Ditlev set a new world best time and broke the course record. So I think those would be up there. Um, but if we look, think about the females, you know, it's going to be one of those top, top rank athletes. So you have um, Ashley Gentle. She's She uh, smoked some of those PTO races. Um, Anne Haug smoked uh, the PTO race in Europe. She absolutely destroyed the field. Um, and then you think in... Kona, you had Chelsea Sodaro, um, and then in Roach, you had Daniela Reef's amazing performance. So it's probably on the female side going to come down to one of them. On the boys' side of it, I guess you've got um, winning in Kona, so that was Gustav Eden. Yep. It was a pretty awesome performance. Um, the PTO races. Europe. Yeah, who, Europe. Who do we have them? Um, uh, we had Max Newman win one of those. But that wasn't a ones. massive killing, was it? It wasn't a massive killing. Strong field, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah, so probably pre pretty decent. And then we had obviously the US Open, who the winner no longer exists in our sport. Uh, so he's uh, hopefully he's still not in the rankings. Hopefully, I'm sure they will have removed him. Uh, and then we had Magnus Ditlev and wrote. So it's going to be going to be one of those ones. And the the way the points scoring is, it seems to me the highest possible score you can get is. Um, 100 that's kind of like it's almost impossible to get 100 yeah. um so when we look at the rankings like ashley gentle her average at the moment is 95 um and how's 95.31 and then lucy charles is 94.02 so yeah i'm okay uh, so who are you gonna, are you going to say it's road for both I'm of them go, i'm going to go daniela reef and wrote uh yeah. 
And on the boys, yeah, th- uh, there was reasonable size gaps. I'm, I'm going to go how for... Much did, how much did he win Kona by? Uh, it wasn't that much. He only passed Sam Laidlow with, you know, yeah. seven Ks to go, was it? Something like that. After those first but few, the, there was quite big gaps. And the, 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 the difference is, Road had, the women's field was pretty much, other than Lucy Charles, was pretty much Kona. Mm. The, the, the downside wasn't as strong. The downside for Rote is it doesn't have as much. Although if it's a top tier race, I think Rote was a top tier race. Maybe it wasn't quite. That might be what what sort of harms the Rote performance slightly. That it's just not quite that top tier that the World Championship is and the PTO races. But I'm going I'm going Rote for both of them. Just to, okay, so I'm going to say Eden because yeah. I, I think none of the other PTO races do I recall they're having a, a massive win. Like, like, you know, and I think maybe Kona gets better quality. So I'm going to go Eden, Daniela. And I think we're going to be both wrong here huh. because when I look at Ashley Gentle, she is consistency. You know, she's done the three PTO races and scored, you know, 94, 96, 96. When you look at Anne Haug, her PTO European Open race, 99.00 points. Oh. Wowzers. Uh, then if I look at Daniela Reef, she's only ranked fourth at the moment because she's only got two really good races, but her road performance, 98.88. So it looks oh, to me like just a little bit under. Annie Haug is just tipping out um, Daniela Reef. What happened in that race? Can you recall what happened in that race? Which one's that? The, the one where she got 99%. Was that, uh, it, that was in the European Open. She just annihilated everybody on the run and just oh, I, I absolutely spanked it. Uh, did a great swim and a great bike, but then just crushed it on the run. And um, uh, Ashley Gentle wasn't quite at her best there, but still managed to finish in second place. So when you're finishing second and you're not at your best. Now, the, the one thing that Daniela Reef, I would say, is probably going to go to the top of the rankings if she can get one more decent result because she her results are coming from Challenge Rote and the Collins Cup where she's got 98.88 and 96 but then her third scoring race which pulls down her average is only 82.81 which was at 70.3 Switzerland so I've been, so I've, I been think, I've been clicking through as you've been doing it uh, it looks like Gustav takes it so Gustav Eden takes it because he's got 97.94 for Kona uh, Ditlev only gets so Rote doesn't hold the same kind of pedigree because he only gets 96.82 for Rote. Uh, Sam Newman got a, ni- Max, a Newman. Ni- Max Newman, sorry, 97.1 for European Open, so it's a little bit under Kona. Uh, whatever races would we, whatever stellar results do we think about? Um, Jeez, it's pretty close though. When you, you yeah. were saying that, um, Gustav Eden gets 97.94 for yep. uh for for his Hawaii. And then Max Newman gets 97.1 for the European Open. So yeah, that's very, very fine margins. And for both of these, um both of the highest scoring races, neither of them are number one wrecked. So um well yeah, interestingly, consistently... Blumenfeld gets 96. So he's I think it's the third highest I saw of the kind of five athletes I looked at. And he got it for the Collins Cup. Mm. So you got ninety six point nine six in his Collins Cup performance. What's happening with the Collins Cup, Bevan? John, <laughs> like really, like come on, PTO. It's July. <laughs> it's July. Yeah, let us know if it's not happening. That's I'm okay with that, but uh, it's July. Well, but because it's got to happen by October, doesn't it? Um. Well, the the rumor we had <laughs> was uh, a little bit later than that in November. 
at venue uh, uh, elsewhere in the world. But um, rhymes geez, you'd think you'd, you'd, th- you'd thought it doesn't rhyme with anything. <laughs> there, there's your clue. It doesn't rhyme with anything. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, yeah, you'd think you're going to be saying something about it now. I'm sure the pros know what's going on, but... Um, it's just no yeah. PR at all. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Like, oh, maybe they're still trying to figure out how to make it work. But you need to yeah. know by now, wouldn't you? Is there any other men's so. performances that were missed? Whatever. What, 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 um, Sam Long has Sam Long done anything? Sam Long's had some awesome, really awesome performances of late, but they've been weak fields, and yeah, like he's been absolutely killing it. But yet his St George performance only eighty nine points because it would have been a lower tiered race. Um, but he's on fire. But he's it's going to be fascinating to see these upcoming. PTO races, so we're not too far away from the US Open where he will be racing. So that's his chance to um, see if he can crank it up. But at the same time, then he'll probably lose one of the other ones. It's only it's only your top three races that count. So yeah, interesting stuff. Good stuff. That was, good. that was a good discussion. Okay, Jombo, let's look at your swim set from this morning. Okay, I don't know when we've done the swim set, but I think uh, it has been done in the last couple of weeks. Six hundred meters warm up, doing a hundred freestyle, and then a hundred. Individual medley kick, so a bit of butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle, 100 drills, repeat that through. Then 1K of loco, so loco is kind of changing your speed. So you go 25 fast, 25 easy, 50 fast, 50 easy, 75 fast, 75 easy, 100 fast, 100 easy, and then you come back down again. So you repeat the hundreds, go 100, 100, 75, 75, 50, 50, 50. 25-25, great way to um, break a, a continuous 1K swim up. And you can vary that pace a bit. You know, you might do it moderate and steady or fast and easy, um, but good way to get 1K done with some uh, change-ups. Next up, we did 1650s. Um, first four, descend one to four, so progressively faster. The next four, going 25 fast, 25 easy. And then the next four, repeating what we did one through four. So just descending one to four. And then the last four, 25 easy, 25 fast. Uh, and then that's where I stopped typing, but I'm sure we carried on, did it a little bit more than that. That's, uh, uh, that is two point, that is 2.4 Ks. And we would have done another sort of K of uh, probably steady work. So 10, 10, 100 steady to finish off. So I just I did get an email from Barbara Nelson just saying how I was talking about that Walt Disney Marathon Challenge. So it's called the Dopey Challenge. I think you do 5K, 10K, half marathon, back to back to back. Uh, she said it actually only cost 500 US. So my friends must have uh, done some package. Yeah, done some package within it. And that was New Zealand dollars, 5,000. So it was 2,500 each for their package. So obviously she wanted to clarify that. So there you go. So if you want to do the <laughs> Dopey Challenge, it's quite a cool name for it, isn't it? Um, you can go to the... Disneyland and do that in Florida it is so there you go yeah. okay Jumbo, let's go thank you to our patrons we have Sean the Big Dipper Bonsol we've got Alistair Feed sorry Speed Feet Fleet and John the Mountain Snail Hancock if you want to become a patron of the show go www.imtalk.me uh, just click on the link support the boys and what we do you also get a cool I'm Talk nickname uh, for coaching go to coachjohnnewson.com or for any of his epic camps he's got Kona coming up he's got Alpdewez next year yep Alpdewez when do you do Kona? Uh, in May so I think the race is on the 1st of June this year so you go to May turn around come home for a week and then go to Alpdewez is it? It's been pointed out to me. 
<laughs> I think I'm home for about five weeks. Altuiz is Altuiz uh, is late July, so uh, yeah, that, that has been alluded to by certain people. <laughs> that's However, right. that, that that certain person is also coming to Europe as well, so it's, oh, there you go. Uh, it's there you been, go. been smoothed over quite nicely. Um, I got to be going back to our discussion of the week. That's a race I'd come back to do, but that's that's a funny distance. What are the distances? It is. I can't actually remember what the swim is. I think it's either two or three k. Uh, the bike is one hundred and eighteen from memory, and the run is either twenty or twenty one. But the bike being one hundred and eighteen oh. uh, is takes quite a while. Yeah. Now the bike is is because I remember when we rode over. We kind of did a few different columns. Mm-hmm. Is the bike just up to wheels, or do you kind of? Like what's no, the, what's... You, f- you finish up Alpduez, so that's your, that's the biggest climb you do. You do go over a few passes before that. They're not they're bit they're big. They're not, but they're not uh, ginormous. Alpduez is is where you gain the most amount of elevation. Um, so and then you run. You finish the bike up Alpduez at the top of the climb, so you don't come back down. And then you do the run up there. So you're running at around about. Whatever the elevation is up there, probably about fifteen to sixteen hundred meters. So that makes it the, an added challenge. You know, the ears a little bit thinner, not crazy. So it's, it's not until you get over sort of two thousand two hundred ish where it really starts to become a bit of a struggle. Um, one thing on I will ro- say is the run on roads. Uh, it's a bit of a mixture. It's kind of just undulating. You have some road, some shingle, but it's just constantly sort of up or down. It's kind of traversing across the side of the mountain. Then you kind of loop back around, and and yeah, so it's it's quite up and down. You were going to say? Yeah, just talking about riding mountains. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast as well, but yeah, with regards to the Kona camp that I'm doing in May, I'm contemplating, very seriously contemplating, riding up uh, Mauna Kea. Oh wow! Which is the uh, it's the biggest climb you can do anywhere in the world. Um, so because you start at sea level, um, down by uh, Waikoloa or Manalani, and then you're basically biking up to uh, to the to the, the how long will it take? Lookouts. Uh, I think it'll be about seven hours ish. I think I haven't done full research. I'll have to do. I'll do a segment of the show once I've done my research on that. But you kind of the top section you need to probably be on a mountain bike. I think you can get away with a with a gravel bike, but you kind of need to do a bike change and you need to have support because on the way up there's nothing. You know where to get drinks or anything like that, uh, and it gets probably it gets pretty cool up the top. But the la- there's a I think I think it's like a seven mile section. Where you're on shingle and it's steep. So uh, how will so, you do that as a camp? Will you hire bikes? I won't do that. I'm going to do that afterwards. But yeah, I'll oh, hire okay. A bike. So the okay. idea is I'm going to race on Saturday and then probably do it on Monday. But I'm probably not going to race full noise. Uh, oh, I thought everyone on the camp was going to do it. Okay. Oh yeah, that that would be one way to get people not to come on the camp. And what do you get people to pick you up at the top, or will you descend? Uh, you descend a bit of it because you, you, the top part you can't drive, um, but I don't think you want to descend the whole thing. You just freeze. Wow, this is a good, awesome yeah. challenge. Yeah, come and join us. Yeah, come and join us. So, so up to where's so May for Kona, June or July? Uh, July, July for up to where's. Yeah, I reckon and like up to where's. I reckon again, go back to the discussion of the week. I do that. That's a non Ironman mm. race. Like that's something special. Like because I. The history, the challenge, that run's got to be bloody cool being up the top of the mountain. Mm. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be fantastic. You haven't done it before, have you? I've, I've ridden Alpe d'Huez and I've yeah. done, we run a lap of where the run course goes. We did it on a camp one year, but I haven't done the full, the full shebang. Yeah, what a cool life experience that would be. Um, if you want to email us any content, you can go to 
www.imtalkpodcast at gmail.com and we can look after you in that way there, Jumbo. Okay, Jumbo, what's your goss? What's my goss? Um, just going to be, I, I, I know this is again recorded a little bit late. I had my first bike ride back the other day and, uh, and it snowed on me. Snowed? Yesterday. Yesterday it snowed. I was up the top of a home climb and I'm thinking, this is bloody ridiculous. I've gone literally the last ride that I did was racing and challenge rope. Two and a half weeks later, my first ride back, biked out to Sumner, biked up uh, to the summit road, and at the top, started snowing on me. Jeez. Just a few specks of snow, and then it started raining on the way down. That was really wasn't quite wasn't very pleasant at all. Uh, so that was a good slap in the face. Welcome back to Christchurch. So for you, the first half of the year here has been quite a physical first half because you had your Everesting, you've had your challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look into the second half of your year, what what you know, like because you always need a bit of a challenge. What are you looking at? Uh, no, no particular challenge, just chilling. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to sort of tick over with general fitness. No, no particular things this side of Christmas at this stage. Always got things in my mind, but I'm not going to commit to anything yet. One of the things I really want to do is bike from Christchurch to Kaiteri, which is uh, in one day. South Island in one day, one day from there. Yeah, so it'll be 400, uh, it'll be 300 and. 300, no, four, about 420 Ks. Um, How would you do it? So you get up uh, at midnight? You, no, I'd probably start at like uh, three or something like that. So um, yeah, that's something I'd love to do. How would you actually logistically, because obviously family's going to go up as you're doing it. So oh, yeah, so you'd leave at three in the morning, family would come past and pass you in the middle of the day. And what you'd need to have is a, a, a change out of uh, lights because you'd be starting in the dark and finishing in the dark. Uh, and then yeah, there's only a few spots where you can get food along the way. So when the family come past, you probably have a clothing change and a lights change and just uh, not many stops. Just keep on going. It's, it's a hilly 420 as well. So uh, how long you reckon it'll take you? Haven't worked that part out. I was looking at when I rode because you've done over two days, haven't you? Yeah, the three hundred k's. The first three hundred took me last time twelve hours elapsed time. I think it was eleven hours ride time, and then it's probably another uh, another five on top of that, probably. So probably looking at seventeen hours, eighteen hours, depending on whether I reckon. Because you did everything. Did it open you up? Did like did everything like you know? Because like you're such an experienced athlete. You know, and, and you've got a lot of trust in your ability and, and to do these types of challenges, which are absolutely mad, you know, considering average person. Um, did, did, did the experience of everything change anything in your kind of self-possibilities? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, it was a long time. But, did you learn anything? Uh, the, uh, well, no, you, you kind of appreciate how long people, you know, average middle of the pack Ironman athletes, they're out there that length of time. So yeah, everything was a it was a long day and you go, holy shit, that's that's impressive. But at the same time, you know, whatever we were out there was it, I think it was 13 hours or something. That's you know, a lot of Ironman people do that every time they go and do an Ironman. So not trying to down down the achievement at all, but it was um but you just go, oh that's that's what a lot of people I've coached in the past, you know, that's going to be their Ironman time, if not slower. So um I've got a deep question for you. Oh, don't go deep. Jeez, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, I love we're we're eight minutes until Zoom runs out, so I've got eight minutes. So <laughs> what was the last athletic thing you did that opened you up to a, either a new thinking or a new possibility or discoveries that you've never had? Because, you know, because you're such an experienced athlete um, and, and, you know, your gains are percentages, small percentages nowadays. But has there been a moment in the last moment in time, and that could be last kind of 18 months, two years, where you've something to happen where you go – should I never thought of that or I've, I've discovered something about myself? Um, 
wouldn't say anything in the last 18 months, but I, I do, one thing that does, I do remember a lot was what I did on my 40th birthday, which was um, when I did this ridiculous day of training on Epic Camp, mm-hmm. um, where I basically just trained all day long, and it wasn't easy either. Um, but just the emotion at the end of that day, because I was just so cooked. It was like the last the last day of epic camp it was either yeah, the last day or, or yeah. it was the second to last day or something like that and yeah from memory what did i do i think i i went and ran a 10k a hard 10k first thing like a hard 10k like 37 minutes or something uh and then went ran, ran to the pool uh so my total run was like two another two hours or something like that and then i think that day we maybe did the 100 100s and then went out for another three-hour bike ride or something. I was basically moving all day without it, without a break. It was twelve hours of of movement, so probably not that dissimilar to Everesting. But I think of the state that I was in and the fact that it was some quite hard stuff. I just remember at the end of that day just being really emotional, just like I'd, I'd really gone to the limit. So that was quite a few years ago. I'm forty-seven now, um, but that was the last last thing that um, really springs to mind. We had a quick pause here because I suddenly blinked out from John. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, um, that, that kind of thing of possibility, I, like I love that, that's what I love about sport is that kind of opening up of what I can be. Um, and that's why I loved Ironman so much is because it was a massive part of me developing that sense of possibility and self. And, you know, these types of challenges we put inside in front of ourselves is one of, you know, the, the benefit of the sport is so huge, but um, that particular breaking boundaries or breaking barriers of self-perception of self is, is such a massive part of it. And that's why the type of challenges you do, and I suppose for you, it's nice that, you know, your, your trust level is so high, you know, like, cause to be honest, I, you know, I was, I remember actually when we did the Iron Talk camp and the, God, that was about seven or eight years ago now as well. But, um, and I haven't done the sport in quite a few years and still being able to, to do it, you know, like, mm. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't. I remember that last hill going up the hilltop pub, and I tried to stay with you, and I lasted about one second. And um, so I'm not with the athlete I was, but I still was like, I still loved that I could turn up with a bunch of Uber athletes and still complete something like that. Was something I was really proud of. Um, yeah, like it is. It, it challenges are really good for your life, isn't it? Those growth challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Um, I suppose, this, and, and in some ways, I think because I've had good success, that's why things, you know, having a bit of a failure at rote, I've had past experiences that have been really good. And I guess if I hadn't had those past experiences, that might probably mean a bit more to me in terms of if I did flop out there, it's like, shit. But I kind of, the thing for me that I got the satisfaction out of that event was the build-up, smoke the build-up, and knowing that this, that the, the, the system's still working, just got to put it together 100% on the day and still kind of got it. But um, yeah, totally understand other people's frustration when they haven't perhaps had those, you know, I've got the sub nine, so I don't need to keep chasing that. Um, mm. Yeah, totally, totally get it for other people. So, Well, yeah. also that thing of um, uh, like if you're not, if you haven't got areas in your life where you're in challenge, it's a good time to reflect and maybe put challenge in. Because ultimately I think what we want is we want growth. You know, we want to feel we're evolving you know, and for you, because that's why I was interested, that's why I threw that question at you. Because for you, you you know, you're always going to have a good base level of fitness, but you do tend to like to have a goal in front of you. Mm. You know, you do tend yeah. to to be more in that peak. You like that goal, and so having that in places is, is a really important thing, isn't it? You can do my support crew when I bike to Kateri. I'll uh, 
Yep. Sign you up. I'll do a support yep. group from Christchurch. I'll just say goodbye. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I did when I did your. I, I didn't turn up for you, bloody Everesting. Everesting. That's just the wrong, wrong day. day. <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, let's wrap things up, mate. I uh, hope you're enjoying the, your holiday. Yeah, uh, I love Bali. I'll be, what I'll be doing right now is I'll be either we reading a book, eating some food, or doing some nature. That's what I'll be doing. Re- I'm uh, reading Stephen King's. I'll go. You go. No, you told. I I started reading. Um, potato factory oh did you like it, it was oh the, no. yeah yep and, and i said i didn't like it and then you told me to go back and read the other one or was it the other way around no i think no, you I read was, solomon's song i was trying to read that one and then i wasn't liking it and you told me to go back and read the potato factory yep. which i'm reading at the moment which is way better yeah yeah the, 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 you some reason you got the third book first and second tom and hawk brilliant third one eh. Kind of no, Tomo and Hawk's the one I'm reading at the moment. That's one I didn't like. No, before I didn't like that one, and you told me to go read The Potato oh, Factory. So I wonder if you go back to Tomo and Hawk, because The Potato Factory, you'll have a better context. Before that. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if you enjoy Tomo and Hawk, because there's three in a series, and then there's Solomon's Song, and that one no, I wasn't so into. So I actually enjoy Tomo and Hawk, but I'll be interested to see if you go back to it after you've read Potato Factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm reading yeah. The Gunslinger series by Stephen King right now. Each book's about 25 hours of reading, um, but to book five, and I'm very much enjoying them, but it's a, it's a certain kind of taste. So if you like a, a kind of sci-fi kind of fantasy world, you'd like The Gunslinger. So there you go. Okay. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be on the beach right now reading that wherever you are in the world. So anyway, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'll be back next week, won't we? I'm doing a show solo next week. Look forward to it. It's going to be solo. record download numbers next week. Solo mission. <laughs> Don't be interrupting you, I tell you. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up. Fine, Russ. I'm your dope. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.